the average employee faces 41 simultaneous decisions when faced with an illness. What can retail studies tell us that will lower costs and improve that experience in our industry? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. Today's episode is brought to you by HR360, the trusted source for customizable compliance tools used by brokers and their clients nationwide. Their monthly benefits newsletter, ACA alerts, RAP SPDs, HR library, and other attorney review tools will help you keep your clients and win new ones, and at a cost that will amaze you. I know that in the wide world of benefits and for a lot of advisors, it oftentimes seems as though we're kind of on an island and we're exempt from all of the other forces of nature that impact other industries. And our guest today has firsthand experience in the fact that not only is that not true, but a lot of things that happen in other industries can have a significant impact on our industry. So with that, I'd like to welcome Kara Trott. Kara is founder and CEO of Quantum Health. Kara, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. What's your journey been? How, how do you end up doing what you're doing today? Well, that's always an interesting story because I came a very circuitous route. I started my career actually with a large international consulting firm, and my job was to run consumer strategy and basically what we call consumer mapping studies to help clients like Citibank and Ford and Kmart and Walmart and Coca-Cola and companies like that really understand the natural behavior patterns of their targeted consumers. And the concept was that, you know, attitudes toward product follow behavior because attitudes are justification of behavior. And we were really looking for how do people interact with a product? How do they make decisions? How do they physically move through a store? What's the experience they're seeking? And we found that it was so much easier if you kind of intercepted them in their normal behavior patterns. And when you did that, you could get a 20 to 30% same store sales increase or market share increase. Um, it was much easier than trying to convince people that they should do something different. It's much, much easier to work off their normal behavior patterns and create a better experience for them based on how they naturally were doing things. So we were very successful at doing this in the consumer goods, retail, and services industries. And when I started working in healthcare, which was in the early 1990s, I was actually tasked with helping to build a consulting practice for a law firm. I took a brief detour in my career and practiced law for a while and did corporate securities and mergers and acquisitions. And as I was working with healthcare providers, you know, the, the goal of the consulting entity was to help them figure out their quote unquote managed care strategies. And it was my first exposure to healthcare, so I had not actually worked in the healthcare industry prior to that. And what I observed was that you know, there's just a lot of confusion, a lot of you know providers not coordinating with each other. I sat there and I would listen to the you know woes and trials and tribulations of physicians who were frustrated with patients, hospitals that were frustrated with physicians that weren't moving patients on, and you know it just sounded like a, a real mess. And 
you know, I kept asking questions about, well, where's the patient in all this? Who's helping the patient? And, you know, my conclusion after listening to it is that it's one of those areas where we have a classic, what we call consumer pathway issue, where there's no clear way for a healthcare consumer to kind of get through the journey. There's no markers on start here. There's no guidance. There's no signage along the way. There's nobody trying to intentionally create an experience for them. And, you know, they're kind of dropped like a pinball into a pinball machine and bounced around. And the providers are very frustrated with it. The the physicians are frustrated with it. And I thought that many of the strategies that we had used, particularly in retail store design and product intercept, would apply to the healthcare journey. And that if you could do it right, in this industry, not only could you get a 20 to 30%, you know, as, as we've done in other industries where we got in this 20 to 30% bump, in this industry, you'd likely eliminate 20 to 30% of the cost just because, you know, when they're dropped into that pinball machine, there's a lot of inefficiencies, a lot of missteps, a lot of confusion that occurs. And each step, each point of that creates additional cost or additional acuity for the, the patient. And, you know, I thought at the time, what could be better than helping people through this journey and, you know, helping them in a real crisis time of their life? You know, I'd helped Kmart sell more blouses and stuff. And it was like this, this would be an area that really had a, a very personal impact on folks. Being a researcher at heart, I, you know, didn't just start a company because it sounded cool. Actually, I didn't intend to start a company. I thought it was interesting to study. And so I proposed a study in eight of the hospital systems that were clients participated in it. And, you know, we basically took the same methodology that we had used in retail and consumer goods and services and applied it to map out the healthcare journey. And we were looking for, you know, where do people show up? How do they experience this journey? How do decisions come to them? And what kind of time frames, what kind of sequence, you know, how are they seeking things? And, and how do they experience this journey? And how would you know where they show up? And so we did that mapping study for two years, and it was very enlightening in terms of pointing out the immense amount of confusion that exists and the fact that these are not chosen journeys for these consumers, whereas everything else I dealt with in the past was something people chose to do and got some degree of pleasure from. This definitely was not that. And it did prove out that there were tremendous opportunities along the way to kind of help people where they got stuck or where disconnects happened or things like that. And that, in fact, there was a lot of cost arising at these at these points and a lot of challenges for folks. So at the end of the study, uh, several of the clients said, well, this sounds really interesting. Why don't you see if you can take theory to practice? And thus, Quantum Health was born to be able to kind of test this model. And, and uh, then ultimately, after we tested it for about eight years, roll it out on a much broader level to, you know, large companies that, that are looking for this kind of solution for their benefits options. Boy, the, the journey is never a straight line, is it? <laughs> never. <laughs> so specifically, what are some of the strategies that you learned or, or gleaned from that study? And then how do they apply to managed care companies, insurance companies, and patients? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So some of the key things, when I embarked on the study, you know, having not been very familiar with the healthcare industry, at that point, I'd only worked with the provider organizations for about a year. You know, my sense was, is if you were to house a service like this, if you call it kind of a coordination and navigation service, 
you'd probably house it in the physician office because my sense was from everything I had seen that physicians are the most trusted entity in kind of the healthcare relationship. And, you know, that's one of the key things that I know from retail and other, other areas is that consumer trust is critical and trust is earned. It's not given and it's earned by making people feel that you genuinely care about them and you've actually thought through all the details of their experience. Well, one of the interesting things from the research study, and, and like we've done two studies. We did the two-year study when we first, before we started the company, and then last in 2013, we did a whole nother study that was based on kind of a process that we call narratology, which really kind of gets at more of the experiential things and, and added a whole lot of color to our mapping study. But the mapping study, you know, is really looking for what's that moment and what happens to people when they have that conscious realization that they're a healthcare consumer, how do issues come together for them, where do they go and, and how do they navigate through the system and where do disconnects happen, where do problems arise and how would you know that they're in the system and what's the package of support that they need in the way, you know, kind of like when you're designing a retail store, you create, if you create merchandising worlds that address certain reasons why people might be coming through the store, you actually get a higher sales per square foot. So that was my theory with this is let, let's understand, you know, what they're needing at what point so that we can group all that together and make it immediately accessible to them. And now a word from our sponsor. Brokers nationwide are using HR 360's low-cost, easy-to-use RAP SPD generator, RAPDOC 360, to make sure their clients have ERISA-required RAP SPDs and plan documents. Actually, over 110,000 sets of RAP documents were sold just in the last 12 months. If your client gets audited by the DOL, the first phone call they make will be to you, looking for their SPDs and plan documents. So make sure your clients are compliant. Developed by HR 360's staff of attorneys and a leading ERISA law firm, this simple, intuitive system makes it so easy to customize RAP SPDs for each client, and the cost is surprisingly affordable. In fact, many brokers are actually charging for each document, so your RAP SPD generator becomes a new profit center for you. Get free demo access, no credit card required, so you can find out just how easy it is to generate RAP SPDs at rapdoc360.com. To learn more about all of the great services HR360 has that can help you differentiate yourself and deliver more value, click on the sponsor link at shiftshapersonline.com or email sales at hr360.com. So where do the disconnects happen? What did you learn? Well, some of the interesting things that we learned were that, first of all, my theory about physicians being at the center of the relationship turned out to be wrong that while people trust physicians, it's a very narrow kind of trust, and it's what we would call a competency trust to diagnose and treat them, and that they only about 5% of the decision-making and interactions that they have during the journey actually occur in concert with a healthcare provider, that 95% of decision-making and interpretation and application of decisions or advice that they're, you know, the way to think about the physician is that they're giving them instructions, the decisions to follow and whether or not they comprehend or understand that actually happen outside of the context of that relationship. And there is nobody involved in that relationship, which is one of the big problems. 
So one of the key things that we found is that when people have that conscious realization that I have to use healthcare services, what happens to them, and, and this is not from our research, but from other secondary research, is it's been quantified that people have to make about 41 different decisions all at the same time. And those decisions cross everything from what's happening to me, what are my options, where do I go, how much is this going to cost me out of my pocket, what am I going to do about all the other things that I'm responsible for in my life, like my kids and this and that, and you know, what if I have to take time off from my job, and how is this going to impact some other health conditions I have or other life decisions I have. And what we discovered in our research is that of all those questions, many of which are not necessarily at the conscious forefront of people's minds, because in essence, when they hit that moment, they tend to kind of revert to a very kind of survivalist mode, if you will, because nobody chooses this kind of disruption in their life so that they don't, you know, their executive functions kind of turn off and they function at a very primal emotional level. They figure that the one thing they should be able to get an answer to are things like, what's this going to cost me, et cetera. And what we found is that what they do, and even in today's world with millennials, they actually pick up the phone and they call the number on their ID card because they figure that their employer cares about them. So the trust, the big trust actually goes to their employer and that the employer would hire people who can, in theory, help them. And they call and they ask a very discreet question like, you know, what's my deductible for an MRI? Or can you tell me if this cardiologist is in my network? And what we found in the mapping study is that, you know, those questions get asked and answered. person gets on and off the phone, you know, polite. They're treated in a very polite, friendly manner. I mean, this is, of course, assuming that they actually reach a human being when they call in, which often isn't the case. But the opportunity is missed to kind of take that and kind of explore with them. And if you map it out, basically disconnects happen at virtually every point. So we found that the average healthcare journey lasts 11 months from the conscious realization to the new normal. That along the way, they're going to see about seven different providers. They're going to have about 50 claims. They're going to have to make these 41 decisions at multiple points along the journey. And they're going to have to interpret a language that physicians speak that no one else understands. And they're also going to have to interpret benefit language, which they don't understand either. So, you know, it's a very foreign, very scary journey for them. And they actually describe it like being dropped like Dorothy into Oz and told, go down this yellow brick road and, you know, you'll, you'll hit the... Emerald City at the end of it, but in between, you're going to encounter, you know, flying monkeys and trees that throw their fruit at you and lions and tigers and bears and all sorts of things. And for people embarking on this journey, they actually express that they feel like the insurance companies, the traditional players in the space, are going to hurt them. Because again, remember, people resort to a very primal emotional state of fear, flight, or freeze, and they look at insurance companies, and they're big, and they're trying not to pay claims in, in the consumer's mind, so that they're very, they're very challenged to basically find any party that they can trust, and you're really asking to be a part of this journey in a very intimate way, because you want to be able to help people understand what their physician says. You want them to be able to confess to you that 
I didn't understand what they said. I didn't understand if, why I should be taking this medication. I mean, it's kind of embarrassing, you know, very vulnerable stuff, but that's what they need. They absolutely need that guided journey. And, you know, disconnects happen at every point. One of the most important disconnects we found is that just the very way people start the journey can create issues. So we found in our study that 41% of all people, when they have that realization that they need to use healthcare services, self-refer to a specialist. And when they do that, 61% of the time, they end up going to the wrong type of specialist. So they might go to an orthopedist because they have some pain in their back. They don't understand that the orthopedist is only going to treat them if they have a bone or a joint issue. And if the problem is a tumor in the lung putting pressure on the back, the orthopedist isn't going to diagnose or even look for that. That will maybe present as a cough or something like that, and it will seem unrelated to the patient. And what we found is that people who you know, self-refer to specialists, they end up costing 33% more and having 19% higher mortality rates. And they spend a lot of time in this kind of you know, false start where they're not getting treated effectively for what they ultimately end up having. And if you can get people from the get-go to kind of route themselves through a primary care relationship, they have a higher probability of more successful journey and getting to the right specialist sooner than they do trying to figure it out on their own. And that's just just one point of disconnect. I mean, there's a lot of points. You know, 50% of people leave their doctor's office and confess and actually admit that they don't understand what they were told to do. You know, 40 some odd percent of services are duplicate or redundant when a patient sees three or more for physicians. And the average journey, people are going to see seven different providers. So it's just ripe with inefficiencies, duplication, missteps. Most people don't understand their discharge instructions or they don't understand their pre-admission instructions. So that's kind of a sampling. I mean, there's a lot more detail behind that, but that's a sampling of where those occur. It kind of makes the case that the folks who have been trying to make the case for years, starting with the American Academy of, of Pediatricians, are making for medical home. But until we got about five minutes left, and I, I wonder what your thought is, you know, until medical home really takes on as a concept and, and inculcates itself into the practice, what do employers and employees do to smooth out some of these bumps? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I think medical home is only part of the solution because the medical home will tend to deal with the medical aspects of the patient's issue. And it only touches on a certain set of patients who have more significant chronic conditions. But the reality is, is what we discovered is that 95% of the the issue is, is being connected to the patient when they're not with the physician and when they're having to make navigational decisions, which may or may not be medical. So I don't think the solution lies with the medical community. I think that's a good piece of the solution. It has to happen there for, you know, more consistency of care. But I think the real solution probably lies in employers recognizing that there's a role for an independent player to basically interface directly with the consumer because we're talking a very intimate relationship, whereas insurance companies are more focused on transactional efficiencies. And they're two different business models and service models. And I think that there's a, a whole new crowd of services arising that deal with coordination and navigation that have build up the trust that the employee has with their employer, you know, that they actually care whether they live or die. 
and helps them not just navigate the care, but also the benefits. And that's the limitation of the medical home is that these decisions play off of each other. You've got to be able to solve their financial issues and their benefit issues and their life issues, like just caring for kids or transportation or something like that. Medical homes aren't designed to do that. So there's a more comprehensive solution out there that I think the employer community is eventually going to rally around. I mean, we're definitely seeing early adopters going that direction that recognizes the need for, you know, much more support during the entirety of the journey. Well, and I'm sure it's being exacerbated in some measure by the increased, the ever-increasing personal responsibility on today's Mm -hmm. plan designs. Karen, in in the minute or two that we've got left, where do you see the future? How do you see this growing? What does that look like to you? I think you've got two different markets. You, know, you have small group market and then you have large group market. I see the large group market increasingly wanting to take responsibility for the entire consumer experience and realizing that there's a transactional role in that. There's a And then there's like a toolkit. And the great news is I think in today's world, there's so many more tools available, everything ranging from transparency to advanced second opinion to digital solutions to monitoring devices, things like that. Those tools are very challenged with getting access to the consumer because you know nobody pays attention to them until they're in a healthcare crisis. And at that moment, they are consumed with other things. And I think what we're seeing is employers starting to build a highly customized offering of tools, kind of relegating the traditional insurance functions to more of a transaction, a network, and a, and a pay, you know, just a claim processing function, but using kind of independent players to kind of create a comprehensive, supportive solution for their consumers with a core of it being a kind of a consumer navigation approach that uses experts who deploy those tools with the members as they're going through it. And I think you know, that's going to not only offer a lot more solutions to consumers, but have experts who can, you know, walk them to those solutions precisely at the moment when they can take advantage of it and use those solutions themselves and also have the added impact of creating a differentiated experience for the employee at a difficult time in their life and eliminating a lot of waste and inefficiency that currently exists in the system. Kara Trot, CEO and founder of Quantum Health. Kara, thank you for sharing your expertise with the Shift Shapers audience. Thank you. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of the Saltzman Group. We work with entrepreneurs, executives, and companies just like you to help shape the shifts in your business. To schedule a 20-minute call to learn more, visit our website at thesaltzmangroup.com or call me directly at 803-386-8005. I'd love to hear from you. And while you're on our site, you can also click the podcast tab for the entire catalog of Shift Shapers episodes and to access some really great special offers. Give me a call at 803-386-8005 and learn how to put the secrets of the Shift Shapers to work in your business.